Thanks for listening to the Granary Church Podcast. For more information, head to granary.org.au or follow us on social media at The Granary Church. I really don't mind going to the supermarket and uh, most places I feel when I go to the supermarket, it's pretty free. I don't feel, uh, you know, things come over and control me too much in the vegetable aisle. I'm very controlled. Um, But there is one aisle that I've got to be particularly careful around and you can probably guess which aisle that is. Uh, it, It is the aisle that contains, I think, probably one of the best chocolate experiences that you can have, and that is the big size, 170 gram of the Kit Kat. And what makes this so good, well, I, it's my favorite, right? But I have to be particularly careful. And you know, uh, the best way to avoid buying this is of course, don't go down an aisle. But if you do happen to go down an aisle, make sure you get the extra large size, 170 grams. But the problem with this is, it, I actually find it quite difficult to stop once I start. Now, I was informed during the four o'clock service, there's actually 11 bars in there. And I find like you can eat one or two and that's okay, but then maybe a little bit while after that you'll go for number three and four. And then you get to the point where you're like, "Um, if I don't eat the whole thing, everyone will see that I've eaten this much. So I'm better off eating the whole thing. And then um, there's ways to get rid of chocolate wrappers. And I'm not talking about the usual bin, use a different bin. Uh, I'm not encouraging deception, but what I'm saying is that sometimes it's hard to stop is it not? Uh, And often in life, we can find ourselves in situations where we start something and we just can't stop. I wonder whether there's something in your life that you start and you can't stop. Well, that can be sometimes a problem. Sometimes it's just, it can be quite innocuous. Sometimes it can be something that's not really going to take a big toll in your life. It's not such a big deal. But then there's other things in our lives that can be They can be quite consuming. They can be things like uh, maybe drinking too much. Uh, And you might be like, um, one drink is fine, but you know what? I find it so hard to draw a limit. And before I know what's happened, I've had too much drink. Or maybe you've, um, gambling is your thing. I worked with a young person uh, in one of my old social work jobs. Uh, He was addicted to the poker machines. And uh, once he got started, he couldn't stop. So part of my role was helping him with that. Um, Porn, lying, there's so many different types of things in our lives that once we start, we find it really hard to stop. And Paul talked about this idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and he used this phrase called being mastered. Now, being mastered is not particularly a phrase that you might use in your everyday life. How are you today? Well, I'm feeling quite mastered by something. It's probably not, you're probably not going to drop it in your usual lingo. But Paul used it powerfully in Corinthians to describe a situation in which um, you just can't stop once you start. In other translations, the word slave is used, the idea of becoming slave to something. But what it is, is simply this. Something has mastered you and you don't have control any longer. And I bet right across this room right now, as I say that, uh, and this is just the way human nature is, something comes to your mind where you're like, hmm, I know what you're talking about. And the way the enemy works is for us all to be in this place where we're like, as long as no one else knows, I'll just keep game face on. 
But the truth of human experience is this, and it's actually very easy to be mastered by something. Now, being mastered or mastering something as a concept forms part of, I guess, a building block for this whole idea that we're looking at of proclaiming freedom. One of the core values of our church is that we are people who proclaim freedom. It's a core value and it's in this year's mission statement and it happens to be what we're talking about over these next couple of weeks, this idea of proclaiming freedom. But the thing about it is you will find it very difficult to proclaim freedom to anybody if you're not experiencing a level of freedom in your life. It's very hard to stand up and say, you can get free from gambling. If you know that you just can't wait to get down to the club as soon as the club starts and hit on those things. Do you know what I mean? Or you've got bet easy on your phone and you're just, you're actually losing money and no one knows about it. Do you know what I mean? What will happen is that you will be a person who doesn't proclaim freedom because there's so much guilt around not experiencing a level of freedom. And so as we look at this idea, we're going to jump into what Paul says about this So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and what does Paul say about this idea of being mastered? And then I'm going to share with you um, quickly 11 points that I found helpful. Um, Brad in um, in the 4 o'clock service, he said, actually, there's 11 bars in there. He knew straight off, like 11 rows. So there's one bar for every point. And I might just, I might open it up and... Eat one. No, 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 just me. No, that wouldn't be, that would negate the message, I think, completely. So here we go. We're going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you've got your Bible with you, I'd encourage you to open it. Um, We're going to just look through uh, verses 12 to 20. We're going to take our time because there's some cultural bits in it. It helps us to understand this. And then we're going to bring it home with um, 11 things that I have found helpful in getting free from some things that really kept me bound. So here we go. Being mastered. Verse 12 starts like this. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. So verse 12 starts with this idea and it's sort of like as you read it, it sort of doesn't read as really good narrative or prose. What's happening is Corinthians is in part of a conversation that Paul's having with the Corinthian church, but it's like dad write and then he'd write and then bed write and he'd write. Now, most of those letters we can't find. No one's been able to find, but we've got this letter. So what's happening is the Corinthian church are writing to Paul about the freedom that they've found and they're talking, they're saying things like this. We have the right to do anything. So Paul's taking their words and rebutting their words back to them in this letter. And so this is what he says when they say that. He said, but not everything's beneficial and I will not be mastered by anything. It's really interesting that the Corinthian church to Paul, as they write to Paul, they're actually, they're actually correct in some way. If you understand Christian freedom at all, it is actually right. I have the right to do anything, but it is a shallow understanding of freedom. And so as Paul, as the church in Corinth writes to Paul, they're reflecting a shallow freedom and Paul's reflecting back to them a deeper freedom. I was um, getting my hair cut just before Easter and uh, the barber was talking to me. He knows that I come to church here 
Uh, and from time to time, I try to slip in a little bit more about the church that I go to. So he knew that. He knew that I'm a God person. Uh, and so Easter's coming up. And so he says, Matt, I've got this T-shirt. It's a great T-shirt. Um, of course, it's got, it features Jesus. I thought this is going to be interesting. And he says, so Jesus is on this T-shirt and he's standing there with his hair flowing back and he's holding a, a, a bottle of VB. And it's just true. And I went and found the T-shirt, um, something threads. Some, anyway, don't worry. You, you can search for it and find it yourself. So Jesus is holding this, this can of VB, this bottle of VB, and across his, and the words across there say, if you don't sin, I died for nothing. If you don't sin, I died for nothing. And it's interesting because in some ways it's true, but it actually reflects a really shallow understanding of what grace is. And it, it reflects a really shallow idea of what freedom is. In the 80s, I read a book by Jerry Bridges and it was called something. <laughs> pursuit of, something around the pursuit of holiness. I think that's what it was called. And he talked about this idea and he was reflecting on Romans. And in Romans, um, the, in, when Paul's having this sort of argument with the Romans, he was talking about this idea that in order to experience f- true understanding of grace, you need to have this place where you're like, oh, I'm free to sin about anything. And until you have that shallow understanding of what grace is, you'll never get the deeper understanding where Paul says, no, 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 no. No, by no means keep on sinning just because grace abounds. Do away with sin. So Paul's having this conversation with the Corinthian church and what he's saying is don't be fooled by having a shallow understanding of grace. I can do anything. Opt instead for a deeper understanding of freedom. And that is, I'm not going to be mastered by anything. I'm not going to have anything in my life that holds me back from being completely sold out and surrendered to Christ. I'm not going to have anything in my life that when I go to worship God, this thing keeps coming back and trying to drag me away again. He's talking about absolute freedom because nothing's got a hold over you. And the good news tonight, as I preach to you and as I share with you, the power of God to come into your life and break you free from everything that will hold you back is here in this room. It actually exists and real. There are, there are things that we get caught into that we think the devil would want to, uh, would want to sell you a lie saying, well, it's just your human existence and it's how you've got to live until the end of time. I've got news for you. There's a deeper freedom that Christ wants to draw you into. And Paul was adamant about this idea is I'm not going to be mastered by anything. Verse 13. Got a bit excited there. Got a bit excited because I tell you, when you start to experience some freedom, it, it changes your world because your Christian walk no longer becomes, if I can just keep, if I can just, if I can just make it not so bad. But there is some freedom that God wants to break you into, especially, anyway, I'll go into that later. Verse 13. I've only got through one verse so far. Oh, just got a bit excited. Verse 13. You say food for the stomach and stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. So Paul's going to start to talk about food and sex, two great subjects. And what he's basically summing up is this idea that you've heard this saying, eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. So basically what Paul's encountering in the Corinthian church is this idea of 
Well, it doesn't really matter what I do with my body. As long as with my spirit and with my soul, I live for God, it doesn't really matter what I do with my body. And there was this division in the way they thought. And Paul is actually saying, actually, the body means something. It's actually important what you do with your body because you don't want to be mastered by, you want to be mastered by Jesus and not by your desires. It's an incredible place of freedom. He goes on. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. Do you not know that our bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take members of Christ and unite with them prostitute? Never. You think Paul's just talking about food and sex and all of a sudden he's talking about prostitutes. It's like, what, what's going on? Well, they actually had a problem back in the day because the pagans, the way the pagans would worship the pagan gods was actually having sex with the temple prostitutes. And sorry if you're a bit underage tonight, but that's just what they did. There's a whole bunch of cosmology that sits behind it. They honestly believed that when the two got, when gods had sex with each other, rain would come to the fields. So that was their cosmology around their paganism. And so what happens is it creeps into the thinking of the Christians. And so temple prostitutes start to... Start to start to turn up, and people are like, "Well, it doesn't really matter because I'm going into worship God in the temple, and it doesn't matter what I do with my body." And Paul's saying, "It does matter. You can't pull the two apart. It's really important. Don't be united with a prostitute. It's really important to freedom to know that you can have freedom not just in your heart and not just in your soul and not just in your spirit, but in your body as well. This is powerful stuff. Thank you, Paul, for writing this down." Verse 16, did you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one body, one in body with her? For it is said, the two shall become flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. All other sin a person commits are outside the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Paul is concerned here that ownership is the key. You can be owned by a vice or you can be owned by Jesus. And what he's imploring the Corinthian church is not to believe the cultural lie at the time of you can do whatever you want on a Sunday, but the rest of your days... Don't, it doesn't matter. He's saying, no, you are one in wholeness and, um, and ownership is a really important thing, being owned by Jesus. Man, this is a really challenging passage. This is, this is if you're struggling tonight, don't worry, we're just chewing on some meat and we're going to chew hard on some meat. It is actually chunky stuff for us to think through, but good chunky stuff for us to think through because freedom is a big deal for God. Freedom is a big deal deal for God. The ability for you to be able to look at sin in the face and particularly sin that's habitual for you and see a breakthrough come is is a beautiful, powerful thing in our Christian walk. Uh, It's a great thing. And I've experienced it in a whole bunch of different areas in my life. And I know many people here have because freedom is a big deal because it's God doesn't want you to be mastered by anything. He doesn't want you to be a slave to anything. He wants you to come under his full ownership. So, How do I experience the freedom so I can proclaim it? Well, look, there's a whole bunch of areas in my life that I've seen some freedom come. Am I perfect? Not by any shot of your imagination. But I know that there's some stuff, and particularly for me, um, food was a big deal. 
and we don't even think about food. We, we don't even think about, and for those of you who don't eat much, you probably don't think about food as being a thing. But the Bible does talk about gluttony. And lots, a lot of my adult life, I was spent eating, overeating, and eating more than I could possibly uh, need because there was something that was controlling me. Now, I've got a level of freedom. I think there's probably more to go. But here's the thing. God can actually bring you into places of freedom around a whole bunch of different things that have you captive. So I'm going to share some points, I think, from this text and also from um, my own personal experience. I've got 11 and um, I've got 11. I've got 11 rows. I should just eat one. No. Well, come and share it with me afterwards, because I think the last thing we need, I should put the block down, put the block down. No. <laughs> You hold on to it, Mark. And if, if I come to you afterwards and ask for more than two, okay, don't give it to me. Okay? Okay. I'm, fr- I'm free. I gave it away. Sermon finished. Mic drop. <laughs> don't let me see it again. I love it when it's not $4.50. It goes down to $3 on special. It's, oh, sorry. 11 uh, points. If you're a note taker, can I encourage you to just take notes for a few minutes? Because you won't remember them all. Um, I've written them down. It helps me. First of all, finalise the ownership issue. Um, What's promoted sometimes in our culture and our age is that Jesus can just be a spiritual guide for you or he can be a friend, he can be a companion, he can be a travel buddy. And and the gospel doesn't talk like that. The gospel talks about this whole idea of, of absolutely submitted to who Jesus is and everything he says. And the only other option is not. So what happens is uh, when we don't have him as complete Lord over our lives, it's really easy to substitute other things in there. So finalize the ownership issue. Say to Jesus tonight, I don't want to just be a travel buddy with you. I want you to be my Lord and savior of me, Lord. So that's the first one. Finalize the ownership issue. It helps immensely. Second thing, and this is what we're on about this year at the Granary Church, consider yourself dead. We say the language we use is I gave my life away. But really it's reflecting that verse. It says, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And it's very hard for people who are dead to be alive to sin. Paul talks about a lot in Romans. If you want to just read some chunky, chunky stuff on this, Romans is the place to go to. But consider yourself dead. I'm dead to this thing. I'm dead to this thing. I'm dead to this thing. Third thing is notice what has you, what has mastery of you. Notice what has mastery. We all at times uh, maybe get angry or we um, we lust or we whatever it is. But there's, I think there's a difference between doing something once and actually something having mastery over you. You can't stop. So take a moment and think, what controls me? Now, it might be a destructive pattern of thinking or it might be an action with your body, but what masters me? And just notice that. It's important to notice that. That's number three. Four, scale the level of freedom you have. Are you experiencing a a deep level of freedom, a medium level of freedom, or a shallow level of freedom? And that's important to think through. So scale it because if you can scale it, you can actually start to see see progress. I'll talk about that in point 10. But you actually start to see progress. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking for progress because otherwise the enemy will come and give you a lie saying you'll never, ever change. You're never going to get free. And you can turn that on him and say, well, actually, when you look at what I was like this time last year and the level of freedom I've got now, I've progressed, maybe not this much, but I've progressed this much and God is doing something in my life. It's a powerful tool. 
Number five, repent of being mastered. This is really important. Just before God say, God, change my mind around this idea. I repent. I turn to you over this thing. Number six, confess to an accountability person. It's so important to have someone in your life that you can go beyond the surface. I get really mm, around surface conversations, just like, yes, good, ha- yes, what are, you, what are you doing, what are you doing? I want to do real stuff. I want to do the real stuff. What's the stuff that you struggle with? I, I want to go deeper. I've got a group of guys that happens, uh, and sometimes we go deeper than other times. It's not like every time we see each other, we're just like deep, 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 but is developing, can I encourage you to have somebody in your life that you confess to? James said in chapter 5, but this was a key to getting healing, that you confess your sins to one another. Chapter 5, verse um, somewhere around 15, 16. Uh, it's a powerful thing. Uh, what's happened for the evangelical church, the Protestant church, is that we have gone away from confession because we're like, that's what the Catholics do. But there's actually power in it um, that God wants to release in our lives. It's amazing how the enemy's power over you is uh, completely broken when you start to actually share the stuff that you're struggling with. It's incredible. He just wants you to live in a cone of silence. There's an old show, Get Smart, many years ago, cone of silence. I insist on the cone of silence. Uh, and, And what happens is the enemy wants you in a cone of silence. He wants you in a place where you never, ever open your mouth to anyone about the stuff you're struggling with. And then you've got to work twice as hard to make your life look awesome. And what happens is, is when we start to confess, the cone of silence is broken and the need to try and impress everybody starts to die. Mm. I am, mm, I hope you get this. Trust, not verse seven, point seven. (laughs) Trust that you aren't missing out. Trust that you aren't missing out. Oh, I've got to try all this stuff. I've I've got to understand addiction before I can understand freedom. It's not, it's not like, it's just not God's pathway. You've got to trust that God has put, um, God has put boundaries in there. And it's actually, he wants to see us whole and set free and bound by nothing. And sometimes we're like, yeah, but I've got to experience everything so I can have a testimony of getting free. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. We've got to trust that he is not a cosmic killjoy and he's not a cosmic wet blanket. He actually, when it says his goodness is following after you, that means in all aspects, moral and emotional and trust that you aren't missing out. Number eight, flee early. So verse 18 says flee from sexual immorality. That's, that's his uh, context he's talking about. But you could say flee from anything. Flee, uh, and I've just got to say this, flee early is easier while the temptation's low. Kate and I, when we first started um, like hanging out with each other, we would just say, right, 11 o'clock at night, that's it. We'll, because nothing good would happen after 11 o'clock. Now, let me just say, it wasn't just stuff that we were worried about. It was actually, you have your best arguments after 11 o'clock and you know that's true. So um, so we would have this thing of 11 o'clock. We'd say, what? What happened? Oh, that. Oh, sexual. Oh, sense. did you censor the sexual? No, you didn't. Okay. okay here we go get it back into gear so it wasn't just it was just often not much good stuff happens after that time anyway but what we found is that fleeing temptation before temptation gets uh while temptation is low is actually God's plan for us to actually flee so here's the thing it is easier to flee temptation when you're not completely mastered by it 
So flee it while you're not mastered. If you're not a gambler, then just don't go to the VIP lounge. You know what I mean? Like just, just why would you? Don't download the, the betting app on your phone because you never know. You might just be genetically predisposed to be a gambler. It's like it's easy to say no to something that you just keep away on a low level. Anyway, uh, number nine. Thank God for. When you thank God for things, they lose power. Um, a friend of mine who's about my age, and he runs a ministry for teenagers, thousands of teenagers, a lot of his core team, young ladies, uh, and just, I mean, beautiful, good-looking girls, and he's my age. And I'd say, how do you keep from lust with so many beautiful girls around? And he said, you know what I do, Matt? When I feel those feelings of lust coming, I start to thank God for the beauty of the people that are around me. And he said, it loses its power. I said, really? He said, really. It's, it's incredible. And so what happens sometimes is in, when we get mastered, it's actually good and beautiful things that God's created, but we allow them to become masters. Say, for example, with food. If you are mastered by food, actually thanking God for flavors and textures and smells can be a powerful tool to actually finding, putting that thing back in its place under God's rule. Number 10, celebrate small changes. As I said before, if you scale freedom, you will see smaller changes that you might not have noticed before. And you want to notice that. You want to notice when you're getting free. You want to be able to say, look, I've been without porn for this amount of time and then this amount of time. That's what you want to do. You want to get to that place where you actually celebrate. Um, When you're working with um, smokers as they're coming off smoking, um, the best therapists, they don't concentrate on why you started smoking again. They concentrate on how did you manage not to smoke for that week? Or how did you manage not to smoke for that day? How did you manage not to smoke for those couple of hours? Because you're actually focusing then on where the shift happens. And I encourage you, the enemy will want to take you to your greatest failure. And God wants to take you to the thing that caused freedom to come, even if it was temporary, but seeing as steps of freedom. Last one, meditate on the picture of you unmastered by sin. God has this picture in his mind of you walking in freedom. And often we talk and think and spend all our time meditating on a picture of us completely mastered by sin. But God actually has a picture for you walking in freedom. In whatever area you feel mastered, God has this picture. So he wants us to take that picture and and process that and have that in our minds. Yes, me free from gluttony is God's image. I don't know what it is for you. It might be, uh, it might be a pornography. It might be uh, gambling. It might be drinking. It might be lying. It might be whatever it is. God has a picture of you walking with your chin up in confident strides away from that mastery. And if we can just get hold of how, that's God, how God sees you, that's a powerful thing. Jesus has a picture in his mind of you completely unmastered and simply mastered by him. He has a picture of that in your mind. You weren't designed for dual ownership. You weren't designed for dual ownership. You were designed to be completely surrendered under the Lordship of Christ and every other mastery start to die. And here's the thing. God has a picture of you with deepening freedom so that you can be a proclamation of freedom to a generation where to tell you the truth, there's lies coming at you from every direction around what is permissible. And God would want to say into that generation, the lies that are coming, the cultural lies that are coming. He wants to say freedom is coming. 
He wants to say freedom is coming to every single one of us. Can I encourage you right now? Just let's stand together. I'm going to pray and I hand over to the band. Um, can someone come and grab this thing? Oh, that'd be great. Let, oh. oh, Theo's got it. Let's, um, let's stand. Let's close our eyes. Uh, this is what happens when you start talking about this sort of stuff. The Spirit of God enters the room and, and, and uh, He puts His finger on stuff. And I'd be very surprised if there's not a single person in this room tonight who's not like there's something in our minds right now that is like, yeah, this thing has got me under its grip or I want to see more freedom. And the power of the Spirit of God is here to break things free tonight, to break chains off. It's like chains around us. And we know because so often it's hard to live with a clean conscience because there's this thing, the enemy knows it, and he keeps coming, he keeps pulling you back. And God is wanting to break chains, break chains, break chains right across this room tonight in order that you'd be able to walk with your chin up in confident strides in the freedom that He has gained and paid for you. So how about I pray? The man's gonna play and we're just gonna do business with God tonight. And then I'm gonna call you. We're gonna have people down here praying. I'm gonna call you to come and get some prayer tonight. I just wanna say this, that now is the moment for freedom. There won't be anyone in here tomorrow night. There won't be anyone in here to pray for you tomorrow night. And part of the enemy's tricks and lies is to say, don't worry about it. We'll do it sometime in the future where well, the future is now. And I encourage you to do something tonight. And there's no addiction that cannot be broken off by Jesus. Some journeys out of it are harder than other journeys, but He has come in order to break every chain of every life. There's not a single thing that can't be yielded to the power of Christ. Thank You, Father. I just pray right now for every person who can hear my voice and struggles with something that is holding them and mastering them, Father God. And we just declare the power of Christ in this room to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, Father. And we just declare it in the Name of Jesus. We just declare the power of Christ to come and break every chain. Come by Your Spirit now. Do a work that cannot be done in the flesh and only in the Spirit. Break every chain now, we pray in Jesus' Name.